welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick, and Jeff Lasseter. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com. We're on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Uh, subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. If you could go to Apple Podcasts, though, and write us a five-star review, we'll read it on the air. We may even read a one-star one, like we did a week or two ago. <laughs> uh, and Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to support the podcast, as well as TeePublic. If you head over to IHateCritics.net, up in the right-hand corner, there's a little TeePublic link where you can get our podcast merch that we haven't updated in a couple of years. Uh, Sean, where can people read your reviews? You can find my stuff on the uh, on my blog, the archive blog, seanatthemovies.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to read excerpts from my, uh, well, what I'm planning to be uh, make into a book, uh, Horror in the 90s, it's horror.media. The newest uh, serialization of that is up. I did a review of the movie Shakma. Uh, that is up now. And Jeff, where can people get your art? Uh, JeffLasseter.com is my website. It's got all my links there. So... Excellent. And Sean, right before the show, you sent us a link that stated that MoviePass is back. Yes, you'll recall, you know, we had uh, we had this going, what was it, 2018? It was it was while Josh was still with us. Uh, it was, it's been a while that MoviePass came and became kind of a phenomenon among movie fans where you could just buy this one pass and get into every movie. Uh, and the, the business model was atrocious. Uh, people had a hard time using it and they went bankrupt very quickly, but uh, they didn't give up. And apparently now they've uh, made a comeback. Well, it's a great idea. You just got to figure out how to make money doing it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Everybody Jeff, wants do you to- remember uh, the whole movie pass thing? I do. My roommates had it at the time. And then um, we were, well, I, I liked to, when I, I lived in Chicago at the time and I liked to go to Cinemark uh, in Evanston because it was just a nice little trip and it was right off the red line and purple line. And let me tell you, I'm glad I didn't get movie pass at the time because Cinemark's was much better. Um, and I think that that's, you know, like every theater chain doing their own kind of killed movie pass. But I'm hoping that now the fact that they're back means that I might be able to go to Regal once in a while. Yeah, we loved it when we had it. Because uh, I remember Josh and I definitely had it and it worked well. We didn't really have any problems till the very end. And more than any, I don't even know if we had problems. We just read about the problems. So we canceled our subscriptions, I think. Uh I, I could see how you could make it work. You just, you know, greed kills everything, and that's kind of what happened the first time around. We'll see how it goes this time. Well, uh, they, they, I think what they've tried this time, it might work a little bit better because they're going with a tier system. So what <laughs> they're doing is uh, for $10 a month, you can see between one and three movies. And then for $20 a month, you can see three to seven movies. And for $30 a month, it's five to 11 movies. And then if you go pro... $40 a month, you can see up to 30 movies in a single month. Yeah. And they're counting on you not going to that many movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the uh, the subscription car wash model. Yep. Um, 
you know, they're they're thinking you're only going to go once a month, maybe twice a month. So I try to go twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, you, I guess the idea, too, is to get more people in the theater. But really, it's the same people that go over and over again. So that hurts, too. But who knows? I wish them luck because I like the idea. All right. Anything else before we get started on this week's show, which is awesome? No, nothing really. Show. All right. Then we'll start with last, last week's show and talk about Fast X. Fast X, the 10th movie in the Fast and the Furious franchise, is actually going to be 11 movies because they're making a, a part two to this one. <laughs> so uh, this one picks up the story with them back in Los Angeles uh, living uh, in the suburbs, uh, back in the back in their old neighborhood, in fact, which is weird considering that they're hun- killer terrorists who have been hunting them for years. And <laughs> why are you living in the same place you were twenty years ago? Who knows? Uh, but nevertheless, uh, they they do find that their main villain from the last movie, uh, uh, Charlize Theron's character, finds them, and uh, she warns them that there's an even greater villain coming, played by Jason Momoa, uh, and he's out to kill. Uh, Dom and his entire family because uh, Dom killed his father. Uh, Dom and The Rock actually killed his father in uh, Fast Five. So he wants revenge for that. Uh, he sets about uh, taking his revenge. And uh, this movie is is not as fun as the other Fast and Furious movies, but it is it is still pretty fun. And there is a scene in this movie where a giant circular bomb, a uh, nuclear bomb, is rolled down a hill and then set on fire and then blows up the Vatican, which is pretty fun. <laughs> it's a pretty fun series of scenes. At one point, I mean, Vin Diesel... Haven't we all wanted to blow up the Vatican? <laughs> Vin Diesel protects a group of people from an exploding gas, uh, a gas, a gas tank by just shielding, by turning his car sideways and upside down. It stops the fireball from hitting people. It's bizarre. Uh, the thing about this one is, is that I don't think the director is nearly as good as the previous director. Justin Lin, you know, and Rob Cohen, they kind of got what this was. James, uh, what's it, James Wan did one? Uh, anyway, th- those guys kind of got it. Louis Leterrier is directing this time, and he seems to be leaning a little bit too much into how serious Vin Diesel thinks this movie is. And that's mm, that's going to tip it. That's going to tip it from kind of enjoyably bad to uh, just bad, just plain bad. If he does that, if they really start to take this seriously because he really can't take this seriously. It's so silly, but I find it so fun for being so silly. Uh, they've made another villain into a, into one of their partners because Charlize Theron's character is going over to the good side. And then there's Jason Momoa who delivers I don't know if it's the best or worst performance in the movie. It's completely insane. It's so over the top. Uh, you just choose every inch of the scenery. He is not taking this seriously for a moment. He gets the biggest laugh in the movie by calling Dom a butthead in one scene. <laughs> and I just, it's like, and Vin Diesel like just doesn't seem aware that Jason Momoa is just dunking on him throughout the entire movie. <laughs> Uh, so I found that to be very entertaining, but I also found some of his performance a little weird because there's a little bit of gay coding on his character that they don't comment upon. And it, I'm not sure if it's so broad that it's kind of offensive or if it just is part of the overall broadness of the character. So there are some elements of this, like I said, 
that are troubling. They're troubling signs for the future uh, of the franchise. But I still enjoyed this because I enjoy how dumb these movies are. Do you have any interest in Fast X? Um, I really, so I watched the first one probably 15 times because I worked in a movie theater when it came out 20 years ago, um, 22 years ago. <laughs> and uh, I liked it. And then I, I didn't see another one. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to watch all of them before I go to see this one. And I got through half of part five and realized that I just couldn't, I could not do it. I'm sorry to all you, the people who are fans. It, this is not for me. The only redeeming quality I found about it after a couple was Vin Diesel. Um, Cause he's hot. Um, but I, I just couldn't. And I want to, because, you know, I was like, how do they put Helen Mirren in these movies? <laughs> um, I think probably what if if I had planned ahead a little better and I'd like watched one a week instead of trying to watch nine of them in five days, I I might have been able to do it. I'm so I'm so sorry that I ruined the entire show for some of our listeners, but I did not see it. God, I, I enjoy ruining it for people. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, clearly, I have the power. My people have the power to ruin everything for everybody, apparently, uh, like hurricanes and shit like that. So I'm just going to keep ruining everybody's life. <laughs> I, I, you can't ruin the fast, the fast movies for me, so it's fine. I, I, it's an entirely <laughs> ironic appreciation that no one can take away from me. I'm going to love these movies uh, forever just because of how I find them to be very, very silly and very, 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 very entertaining. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. But that's why we didn't do a show last week, because the podcast would be over right now, because there's really <laughs> nothing else to say about the Fast and Furious movies that he hasn't said the other nine times when we reviewed these. Uh, anything else on Fast X before we move on? No, they're, they're making Fast uh, 11 and might be making Fast 12 as well, so we'll see. Oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to keep making these. <laughs> what else is Vin Diesel going to do? Right. Uh, I'm assuming The Rock doesn't come back. John Cena's in it still. The Rock is back. Oh, actually, Jesus. spoiler alert. He does return. Dumb. Uh, he'll be in Fast 11. So we'll see him there. And John Cena is back as well. So are they kayfabing Fast and Furious too? <laughs> Anyway, I'm not. Let's move on. <laughs> now I'm just annoyed. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where do we go next? Let's go ahead and Jeff. Do you want to talk about you hurt my feelings, or do you want to wait? I can do that. Um, right. You hurt my feelings. Stars Julia Louis Dreyfus as she's a writer, and her husband is a. Um, a therapist and they're just not super happy people um and she's she has written a memoir in the past and is just finishing up her first draft of a novel and uh, it's the beginning it kind of doesn't seem like it's going anywhere and 
she's with her she hangs out with her sister and they talk about her writing and her son works at a weed dispensary in new york city um the husband has uh some different clients like david cross and amber camblin who are married in real life play a married couple uh and then one day he the husband the therapist who's i can't remember his name i'm sorry um <laughs> he goes out with his brother-in-law and they go shopping for socks and the sisters decide that they're going to go sneak up on them and surprise them at the sock store. And they, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus overhears her husband talk about the fact that he does not like her new book. And he has been saying, Oh, you know, it's great. You're, you're, you're so talented and all that. And that sets her on an existential crisis about whether she's good or, you know, is her husband lying to her? Is, is everybody lying to her? And then it kind of makes a turn into the thesis of the movie, which is we all tell little white lies and it doesn't mean we don't support our friends or our family. We want to support them. And even when, if, we, if we're not into something they're into, we still want to be there for them. And that's the rest of the movie. And it's, it's done so subtly that at first you don't realize that that's what the whole thesis of the movie is about. Uh, but then the conversations that they have after that about it, you actually have characters talking to each other and telling each other how they feel. And it's refreshing as opposed to that, you know, that romantic comedy of errors where everybody's like, oh, I can't say this because then, well, the movie will be over in five minutes. Um, I, I think that with the the fact that they're, you know, they're adults in their 50s is not going to be for everybody, especially if you really, really, really love the Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, but it's just told in such an adult way. I'm so glad I saw that. I, it was, I'm super broke last now because I just spent a bunch of money and I was like, I can go to two movies, which movies? Well, one of them was the big one we're going to talk about. The second one is, was this, and I'm so glad I picked this one because it's just, it's, it was relaxing and, funny and kind of thought provoking. Yeah. I, I think it looks really good and I can't wait to see it. Uh, Sean and I both saw the machine instead. Uh, <laughs> and I'll be honest, I needed that uh, worth where I'm at. <laughs> I needed to just totally turn my brain off and uh, watch something that's at best bad. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I still, I wish I had the time to catch uh, You Hurt My Feelings. It looks really good. And it is 824, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, That's one of the big reasons I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I really wanted to see it. I just couldn't, I couldn't get it in because of the holiday obligations. But uh, I do love Nicole Holofcener. Center. uh, You know, lovely and amazing. And friends with money. Enough said. Uh, She's worked with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus a couple of times. And they've been terrific together. Uh, she also co-wrote uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is a great movie, The Last Duel. She co-wrote that. Uh, she's been on a roll, and uh, I really would love to see this. Now, did you not see it because you knew I was possibly going to see The Machine, so you picked this over that, or just the Showtimes didn't line up? Showtimes just didn't line up. Thank Otherwise, God. I'm Thank really God. going to see this one. <laughs> All right, I just don't want to be the, at, at fault. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the machine. No, it's all my fault. Everything is my fault now, Bob. <laughs> That's right. 
Thank you for getting that. It's not your fault. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Machine. The Machine, uh, based off of the loosely based on the comedy of Burt Kreischer and starring Burt Kreischer, also known as The Machine in his comedy. Uh, it stars Burt uh, kind of telling the story a little bit of, of his uh, famous comedy bit about being nicknamed The Machine. Uh, he partied with Russian gangsters and ended up robbing a train in Russia while he was there in college. Uh, later on, our story is set in modern day, some 20 years later after the story actually occurred, and a gangster has seen it and been reminded that he was robbed on that train, and he wants his uh, gangster family to go and get the machine and bring him back to Russia so they can recover this watch. That's the MacGuffin that's going to drive the plot. Uh Bert also has a, a problem with his daughter where he's just recently hit rock bottom with his alcoholism and live streamed her being arrested after she was driving him home drunk at the age of 15. So uh, lots of stuff going on for him. He's just quit drinking. He's sort of off comedy even. Uh, and he's uh, got his dad coming around, Mark Hamill, who uh, Bert Crasher and Mark Hamill have no chemistry whatsoever. I get that he really wanted to have Luke Skywalker be his dad, and and that was a, that must have been really great for him. But in terms of comedy, you know, it just didn't work. Uh, Hamill's character is a a one note joke where he just you know, he's a cranky old man who insults his son on a regular basis, and his arc is going to be not insulting his son eventually, which is a kind of a boring arc. Uh, Bert- so he's playing Luke Skywalker from the, the Last Jedi. <laughs> well, and doesn't he hook up with Sorry. a prostitute called like Annika or something like that? <laughs> yes. Anyway, yeah. I was trying to ignore that, but thanks, Bob. No <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it ter- it's not a terrible movie. It's a, it's a but for a movie based on a guy who's got a reputation of being you know very popular among other comedians and having a lot of energy and uh, you know being kind of uh, over the top and exciting. This is not an over the top and exciting movie. This is this is kind of a very conventional comedy, and it seems to have wrestled you know the Burt Kreischer persona into something that is palatable for a wide audience. And that uh, that toning down, I guess, is kind of I don't know if it is toned down. Maybe this, maybe this is the perfect expression of Burt Kreischer. I'm not I'm not not a fan. I'm just not familiar with him. I've heard him on a couple of different podcasts, and I've liked him, and I know a lot of other comedians like him which is always a good sign. If other comedians like a comedian, that tends to be a pretty good comedian. But uh, if the, based on his reputation, I had some higher expectations than a pretty conventional comedy, uh, you know, very strict three-act structure, you know, very uh, stock characters surrounding him and uh, you know, very you know, hangover-esque uh, style humor here and there. Um but it's relatively tame compared to something like The Hangover and compared to many, you know, modern uh, broad comedies. Uh, so overall, I think it's not a terrible movie, but it's not as good as I had hoped it would be based off of Burt Kreischer's reputation. I think if you look at the writers, Burt Kreischer is not included in that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably part of the problem. I, I think you bring in a Shane Black or even a Judd Apatow and work with him. I think you have a better movie. Uh, that captures his energy a little more. I'm not like he's, I can't figure him out because I hear him on podcasts and I like him. I watch his comedy specials and I don't laugh. <laughs> so, hmm. uh, even the machine story, I'd like I, people love it. And I'm just like, I guess it's fine. 
uh, and he's the basically the basis of what Van Wilder was. I didn't know that until this came out. Uh, oh, they, wow. They actually wrote an article, the Rolling Stone magazine wrote an article about him being the coolest college kid or whatever who had been in school for six and a half years. And they took that article and made Van Wilder off of it. <laughs> so and I did not know that. Yeah. And he's obviously he comes from, uh, you know, kind of born on third kind of guy. At the same time, he's so likable. You, you, you root for him, but he's also he, he's not struggling. He never really had to. Even when he was broke, he always had that you know support net if he really wanted to go back to it so but at the same time you're not hearing stories about him being a creep like some other male comedians and so you want to root for the guy i mean i like tom segura too i think the two of them are really funny on their podcast uh but i I don't know i was I, i thought the movie was fine it was exactly what it he wanted it to be uh conventional kind of more of a throwback action comedy than you know a fast and the furious more i mean it's he desperately wants to be that catchphrase arnold schwarzenegger type guy but only he's fat and that joke really isn't that funny because he's skinnier than i am (laughs) so (laughs) all the fat jokes fell flat for me uh not to mention like right before the i'm sitting in the theater my wife and i have this app called paired where you kind of answer questions to kind of it's a work on your marriage type app. And one of the questions was, what would you do if you woke up in your spouse's body? And her answer was, I do the truffle shuffle. <laughs> and this is right before the movie started. So that was kind of hurtful. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, she'll be upset. I told that on the podcast. I told Harrison, my son, and she, she was like, why are you telling people this? <laughs> It was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a lot funnier than the fat jokes and <laughs> the machine. Uh, I don't know. It, it's fine. It It is exactly what it was supposed to be. I don't know if it made money or not. Uh, yeah, I don't know for sure. I, I, I know it out of the $20 million budget. I think it made $9 million over the whole weekend. So it's got a chance at least at going over break even. Uh, probably going to be profitable. Yeah, and a lot of the marketing he's doing on his own, so it's probably saving money that way, too. Anyway, good for him. Uh, uh, Jeff, are you familiar with uh, Burt Kreischer's comedy? Um, Okay, I'm going to make a big confession here. Uh, Yeah, I used to listen to the Joe Rogan podcast for a couple years and heard him on there, and, you know, it's where I actually got to know a lot of comedians. Um, I don't listen to it anymore. I can't put six to nine hours of my week out there plus i think he's just kind of gone off the deep end but i i i liked work crusher i thought it was really funny and that's i really did want to see this movie um you know it was like it was one of those things it was i could pick one other one and which you know which one is it going to be and because i like nicole hall center stuff so much and julia louis dreyfus i picked that but I really did want to see this. I wanted to see what Mark Hamill was doing besides Star Wars and being funny on Twitter. Um, but I, you know, and, you know, seeing seeing Burt Kreischer get a, a big movie, I was kind of excited about that because I like him. Yeah. So. He's just such a likable guy. And I think he's naturally funny. <laughs> but it, when it's 
contrive or contrivance or we're I don't think I don't know. I don't think he's as funny when he's acting or even a stand up. I think he's better when he flies off the cuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good assessment of it. I do want to shout out to one of his supporting characters and I got and credit to him, you know, not a lot of comedians will would be willing to star in a movie and give up the best joke to their one of their co to one of their co-stars, but uh, Iva Babic, who uh, plays one of the uh, mobsters in the movie, the uh, the mob daughter who spends most who he spends most of the movie with, she gets the funniest line in this movie. It's a reference to the to the TV show Family Matters, and it is a major laugh. That one was almost made the entire movie worth it for me, honestly, because it was such a good joke. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I even I want to see more of her for sure. Absolutely, and there are little. If you do listen to Two Bears One Cave, whatever the Tom Segura Burt Kreischer podcast, there are little uh, digs or just uh, Easter eggs for that. I think at one point he refers to his fat friend Tom. A lot of fat jokes now that I even more than I remember. Uh. But yeah, I, I thought the opening scene inside the therapist was pretty funny. Uh, anyway, it's you have to check it out when it's streaming, Jeff. I think you'll like it. Okay, I will. All right, let's move on to the big movie this week: The Little Mermaid. Yes, The Little Mermaid, directed by Rob Marshall and starring Halle Bailey as the Little Mermaid, and it basically tells much the same story that we got in the. Uh, Disney animated film from 1989. Uh, the cast is pretty good. Uh, Halle, ba- Halle Bailey, uh, again, uh, not quite the star she needs to be to, ho- to hold an entire movie. I think they did her a bit of a disservice casting her in in the lead role here, uh, just because it's such a big role and there's so much pressure for a first time star. But uh, she did his best. She did her best, and she certainly can sing. Uh, then you've got Javier Bardem and Melissa McCarthy, David Diggs. David Diggs providing the voice of Sebastian is the best thing in the movie. I really enjoyed just every time he was he was on, and uh, Sebastian was quite uh, quite good. But uh, this movie I know is not for me. This is not the kind of movie I enjoy, and I really don't enjoy the direction of Rob Marshall, especially when he's at his you know most broad. Like Memoirs of a Geisha was not a good movie. Uh, Nine is a terrible movie. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, Into the Woods. Like, these are all bad movies, <laughs> to my estimation. Uh, and this is along those same lines. It has this has similar problems in terms of how broad and how kind of dim-witted it can be at times. And uh, that said, I was standing outside the theater after the movie ended, and I watched a, a, a group of girls coming out and just being absolutely in love with this movie. Little girls between... I don't know, it must have been five and 12 years old. They were just loving this. They were singing the songs. They were talking about uh, Little Mermaid costumes for Halloween. They loved it. And really, that's the that's a far better review that I can give the movie. Like, that's a more important opinion about this movie than mine. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just a you know, middle-aged guy. Uh, you know, just, just watching this thing because I get paid to. It's not geared towards me. Artistically, I don't think it's incredibly well accomplished, but it's not meant for me. And the enter- entertainment of it is far more geared to somebody in that age group, who in that uh, 
a group of girls who are just going who identify with Halle Bailey's character and you know love mermaids and little girls do love mermaids they really do and I find the backlash to this movie not just the racist stuff but just the like the the way that right wing trolls are spending a lot of time talking about this movie having failed even though it made 117 million dollars on its opening weekend that there's just such bad faith in all of those criticisms the nastiness aimed at this movie is so remarkably unnecessary and really is rooted in that racist stuff. It's really rooted there. But uh, a lot of it is also just a lot of angry white guys just like yelling about shit. <laughs> and that's so that makes me kind of go the other way and really like the movie. Honestly, because it, It's not nearly that bad. It's kind of reminding me of like the the Ghostbusters with women. That movie was not nearly as bad as a bunch of bad faith right wing actors said it was. Uh, this is really, this is not a movie that deserves this much hate. It's fine. It's certainly better than most of the things that Rob Marshall directs. It's still got a lot of issues, and I don't necessarily personally find it uh, find it to be very good. But I can appreciate a, enough of it to to say that it's not a bad movie. Jeff, I actually really liked it. I I watched the original on Thursday. I'd never. Not a big animation fan, surprisingly, because I, you know, draw cartoons. <laughs> but um, so I watched that, and then I was like, as I was watching this, I just was super impressed. I thought it was gorgeous. Um, it stayed true to the uh, to the source material, even the original original. I like everybody's like, oh, it's not like the original. She's black, and I'm like, um, the original original. She died and like dissolved into sea foam at the end and every step she took on land going into her feet. So let's make that movie. No, please um, do. That'd have been awesome. I know I would love <laughs> it. Um, I thought how I, her voice is amazing. Um, she's beautiful. She's not a bad actress at this point. I think, you know, in a few years she'll be really, really good. Um, when she wasn't, able to speak i didn't believe it as much but i think that's mostly because of um the guy who plays the prince whose name is escaping me because i don't i don't retain any of this stuff ever (laughs) um he was just he was fine but not good Mm -hmm. just fine like i couldn't under if you're gonna give up your entire existence to be with somebody it would not be this guy. He was like milk toast. Um, and I'm sure he's fine in other stuff, but in this, I was just like, <laughs> uh, whenever he was taking the lead, mm-hmm. um, I, the supporting cast was great. Like you said, David Diggs, uh, Her- Javier Bardem though, or Her- nah. Javier Bardem though. I just, he, his accent was weird and it was like, he was trying to do an accent. But he was like Madonna. He would fall into an, a British accent, then his Spanish accent would come out, and then it was so garbled sometimes it just sounded like he was trying to do a Midwestern accent. And I, he was he was my only kind of low point for the movie, um, like really low point. And I, I I enjoyed it so much more than I thought. All the underwater stuff was gorgeous. Um, you know the locations were gorgeous. 
it was it held my held, held my interest until probably the last 10 minutes and then i was kind of like okay um you know it just seemed like there was a lot of like chasing and stuff that was just added for time so they could make up a little more time um but overall i really liked it yeah i i liked it i the the cartoon that's kind of the first real big cartoon i got to see in the theater so that was always kind of my favorite disney one the lion king maybe uh and so i i don't know i like the songs i've always known them forever uh so it's hard for me to separate from that one like i like sebastian better in the cartoon than i do <laughs> the the digs yeah. guy even though he's great and you know in hamilton and everything else but uh my favorite part is actually aquafina as uh whatever that thing is the seagull uh, the seagull i thought she was hilarious uh yeah i the songs while they were the same they just were more like a stage play version of the songs versus the like the melodies were cut off they weren't there's no holding notes and i mean on occasion but i just the melodies switched a little bit to sound more like it was live or on stage which it's cool if that's what you're wanting to see. I just didn't want to see that. I liked the original songs better. So sing them like that, you know, that would have been, but other than that, those are the only really nitpicky things. It was essentially the same movie, uh, just live action. And Sean's right. You know, my daughter liked it. She's a little older, but she thought it was her and her friends liked it. My wife loved it. Uh, it's just not, it's not going to be something I'm going to talk about really probably ever again after today, but it was worth seeing and I'm glad it wasn't total horseshit, which is what I was, <laughs> especially when you knew the backlash was going to be there. It's like, you don't want to hate the movie when you know, you know, other people are going to hate it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> so. Yeah. I got, honestly, I don't, I don't feel like any of those people even bothered to watch the movie. They, you no. know, maybe, they went into they went into it wanting to hate it. A lot of them are reviewing it without ever seeing They've been it. Shitting on it for a year now, ever yeah. since she was cast, mm-hmm. or however long ago that was. And and truly, I, I don't buy anything aesthetically that they have to say about the movie, especially when if your lead in your review has anything to do with the box office and the failure of this movie, you're you're just a bad faith person. You're not even you're not putting in any actual effort or adding anything to this conversation about you know the the aesthetic qualities of this movie uh this is not nearly a, a bad movie at all it's in in it's in many ways quite good but i i recognize that for me it's just not my taste i don't like the way rob marshall directs a movie <laughs> generally speaking i do love chicago chicago is a quite a good movie but uh, i was I, gonna have to bring that up if you didn't i i do love chicago but i i'm not a big fan of what rob marshall generally does uh with, with stuff like this and and so I, th- that kind of makes me not enjoy this movie as much. But I, I also recognize that I've that I've rarely seen like this kind of reaction after a movie where there's just these young girls just absolutely adoring this film. It really turned me around on on how I saw it. And I love that you pointed out Aquafina, Bob, because a lot of people just hate her just to hate her. And she, you know, I find her to be delightful. I find her unique voice to be kind of delightful. Uh, I I've just enjoyed just about everything that she's done. And I don't, 
really get the hatred that she gets and she gets a lot of hatred especially for this performance really she's so diverse too she can do comedy and she can play it straight uh i don't know i think she's i love her as an actor i, I don't pay enough attention i didn't realize she got so much shit that sucks mm-hmm. yeah i think she's great i like her a lot um sometimes i mean i honestly sometimes she gets you know depending on the movie she can be a little much but right Overall, I will watch literally anything that she's in and enjoy it. Enjoy her in it, too. So. All right. You want to talk about the cartoon at all, or <laughs> do you have much to say? <laughs> it's an animated classic. You know, it's a. Do you want to give them a plot, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a gorgeously animated movie. It's the same plot. You know, a girl wants to, mermaid wants to go on land to be with the prince that she saved after she saved his life and all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, the music is brilliant. Uh, Jody Benson's voice work is incredible. Uh, you know, Flounder and, and uh, Sebastian are, icon- are an iconic team. Uh, they are. They're, they're uh, just as good, if not better, than Timon and Pumbaa. Honestly, I would prefer. Flounder and Sebastian to Timon and Pumbaa, honestly, in terms of sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the King Triton is are far better in the animated version. You're right about Javier mm-hmm. Bardem, Jeff. It's a weird performance. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's like I said, just an animated classic. It deserves its classic status. There's just no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, just a, a lot of really wonderful elements. I did read a feminist review saying that and it more or less shit on the new one because of, you know, a woman should never give her voice t- to try to please a man. And I agree, but I'm just kind of, I, this is a story has been around so long. I'm just like, I agree with that, but I'm going to put it aside and just watch it for what it is. Uh, but yeah, I just thought I'd you bring know, that up. That's interesting. Cause I, I read another sort of feminist take on this that praised the movie because she's a, she's a young woman who pursues what she wants at any cost. You know, she's the kind of person and you don't, and in 1989, you really didn't see female characters who really chased what they wanted. It was in that sort of working girl vein, I guess, uh, where they go after what they want regardless of anything else. And, uh, you know, her chasing after a man, uh, in the way she did uh, is uncommon in movies, and so there, I, this feminist, the feminist take I read on it was that. that well, and I think that, that I think that makes more sense because the guy had no idea what was going on, so it's not like he was doing it at his request. Yeah, <laughs> but. yeah. I will say this though: like, aside from whether chasing after him is feminist, why would you want to live on this fucking earth when you could be under the sea? because we throw our garbage in there (laughs) well not in this movie yeah not in this this universe not in this universe especially when sebastian makes such a great case for it Mm -hmm. but i'm just like oh my god why would you want to live in like the world today if you didn't have to (laughs) yeah Uh, I didn't mean to over. kill the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. Anyway, well, anything else? <laughs> Little Mermaid. <laughs> it's on Disney Plus. Really? I would have never guessed. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about what was supposed to be the classic three weeks ago. 
but I and that we up. have to do it, and we have to do it, or else we have to wait another month until the next May. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> uh, May, unless you want to wait another month. Okay. No, no, a year. It would have to another be another year. I don't want to wait another year. Although they are coming out. There is a Blu-ray coming out now, so. Uh, May uh, from director Lucky McKee and starring Angela Bettis as May, uh, a very uh, unique young woman who uh, grows up in a very sheltered household, uh, who uh, whose best friend is basically a doll that her mom gave her. Uh, she falls in love at first sight uh, with the character played by Jeremy Sisto and uh, proceeds to have a very unusual and strange and awkward relationship with him. Uh, and it proceeds to a a most unique horror story that uh, you really just can't predict at any moment. Angela Bettis is incredible in this movie that she did not become, you know, she was Mia Goth before Mia Goth. Like she, <laughs> she doesn't become a huge star. It's such a, she walked so uh, Mia Goth could run. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> she's so amazing in this movie. She creates such a unique and fascinating character. You really can't take your eyes off her the entire movie and you're just trying to read what she might do next and everything that she does is so weird but she makes it feel so perfect for this character like it makes it it makes sense to may and since you're so in her you know perspective the entire movie it her weirdness makes sense to you in a weird way uh, i love her interactions with jeremy sisto who just has done so many great movies like this and waitress. He is a very good actor who did not get enough uh, praise early in his career for being as good as he is. Uh, he is so good in this movie as a guy who's just completely oblivious to this weird woman who he, he kind of wants to sleep with. And so he you know tolerates her, but he's also like, he's also much more realistic and, and not unkind. Like he's not a terrible person who's going to simply take advantage of this girl, which is, is a nice, twist on the character it makes it a little makes his fate a little bit more interesting uh and uh, oh man just so many great things about this movie um i can't remember her Anna name ferris Anna ferris thank you uh plays, <laughs> plays a sort of <laughs> predatory uh lesbian who kind of has a relationship with with may and uh may of course seems to kind of understand it but don't know for sure if she does which is kind of another great twist on, on convention uh th- this movie's absolutely brilliant and just the final scenes the final act is just pitch perfect it just it rises almost to that it really does rise to that level of sort of uh x and pearl and those kind of horror movies yeah i'll go before jeff just because he'll have a better take than i do but it, it's the perfect movie especially with the where it is popularity wise where you don't necessarily need to know what it is you put it on maybe you're a little you might pick up your phone or whatever but as soon as you know she bites his lip all of a sudden you're kind of like what's you you start as yeah when she bites him it just starts pulling you in you can't no matter how much you feel like being distracted by your phone or whatever else you the movie grabs you and doesn't let you you know not pay attention to it you want to know what happens next you just kind of you just go along for the ride and it's always a you know i always blame my mood when i don't like a movie but this movie doesn't let you you know it doesn't matter what your mood is it's going to pull you out of it and make you follow it and i think that's what's really really neat about it 
Yeah, I I saw this at um, one of the massacres at when at the, when it was still at the Music Box. It was a twenty four hour horror movie festival, and had never heard of it. Had never even like heard of Lucky McKee or Angela Bettis. Nothing. And I went into this blind, and I could not get over this movie. I had to like find it on DVD as soon as I could. I watched it, you know, at least once a year. Um, I used to work at Best Buy in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Jeremy Sisto would come in there. He actually bought a TV for me. He would be at the Target next door all the time. And I was, I'm always that person that if I see a famous person, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, I love your work. Oh my God. Ah. Um, so I did wait on him a couple times, but I really wish that I had just gone there and said, can we talk about May? Because I feel like he was having such a good time doing this movie just from watching it. And, you know, he, he just seemed so easygoing that I thought in hindsight, I'm like, God, I should talk to him about May. And then I did, then I stopped working there. But, um, now every, every performance in there is just quirky enough that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from Angela Bettis who, I always thought, oh, she should be Carrie. And then she was Carrie in the TV remake. Um, and I mean, in some ways, I like her better as Carrie than Sissy Spacek, although that movie is a classic. But I just the way she, you know, she plays introvert so well. And not necessarily that she was a classic introvert that she was kind of groomed to be an, Oh, sorry. Use that word um, to be an introvert by her family, you know, growing up and uh, just that whole, the whole, <laughs> when she's, I don't want to spoil it. Cause I want everybody to watch it. But at the end when she's, you know, <laughs> making the doll, mm-hmm. you really believe that this is something that she would, where she would end up. Mm hmm. And you know, Anna Far Anna Ferris is I I like her anyway. Mm-hmm. But when you say pre- semi predatory lesbian, because she she just comes to me as as a big flirt, mm-hmm. and she'll flirt. Looks like she'll flirt with anybody. You know, she'll flirt with May because May's there, and she doesn't really mean anything by it. Just like Jeremy Sisto, just kind of he thinks she's weird and he likes weird, but you know, not enough to date weird enough to you know hang out a couple times and then realize she's a little too weird. But I think Anna Ferris is just, she's such a standout for me because she's, she's like, hi. Oh, you're so great. And she's kind of playing Anna Ferris in other movies. Like when I saw the house bunny, I was like, Oh, she's kind of playing the same character, but with a darker undertone mm-hmm. in May. Um, mm-hmm. Every, everybody is just in this movie is just kind of out a little like out for themselves even may she just you know she really wants to she wants to be normal damn it and she she'll never be normal she'll you know and she can't have a normal conversation because she's never really had one she's been so introverted her entire life that when she finally starts to feel that need to interact with other people she doesn't know how and that's why she ends up biting his lip and, you know, just doing all this weird shit. So. But it's uh, so shocking. It's so good. It's so, yeah, it, it is. And I, I haven't, no, I had never seen, I thought I had, and I have no memory of ever watching this as I'm going through it. Uh, 
I, I'm glad I finally, because Sean has been talking about it for years, and I just, we never really went into what it was about. I just remember, I remember the cover. I saw it in the video store all the time, and I could have swore I rented it, but I must not have put it on, because I'm glad I did. Even my wife liked it, and she normally doesn't like movies like this. She likes the ghost stories Sean hates, so... Uh, it was was just a good viewing experience and I'm glad I finally got to see it and everybody should go see it it's that good truly and you know Lucky McKee should be a bigger name director than he is I've not actually seen any of his movies since uh, The Woods in 2006 Uh, Mm -hmm. so I don't know if he's still as good as he was when he made May I hope he is but uh, he really should have gone on to much much bigger things because this is an incredibly well-directed movie on top of being well-acted and, you know, featuring just surprise after surprise. It's a well-directed, well-written film and a lot of credit to him. This movie is a, is an out and out masterpiece. I, I named it the best film of 2002, uh, the year it came out. Uh, it was my number one in my top 10, uh, because I just didn't see any other movie like it. And, and it, it was the movie that made the biggest impression on me. Oh, wow. <laughs> The movie I thought May was is I, it was the woman which I have seen. Lucky McKee directed it, and I liked it. And I just always assumed that was the same. Oh, that's cool. All Cheerleaders and Die is pretty good too. I've seen a couple of these movies. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Jeff, have you had any? Have you seen any of his other stuff? Um, I, I haven't. I actually did. I I'm not sure. I have to. I feel like I started to watch the woman and then like my internet went down and I never went back to it. I don't know why I never went back mm-hmm. to it. Um, I hesitate supposed to, to see. I hesitate to make that the classic though. Cause it'll probably suck. Cause I liked it back <laughs> when it came out. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I, I almost got to see a, a screening of uh, may and the woman back to back with Lucky McKee talking about it, but he had to cancel. Mm. So I didn't go. Um, I, you know, I honestly would really like to see some of his other stuff. I did see his, um, his segment in tales of Halloween. I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've seen his episode of poker face, which was great. Oh, the tales of Uh, Halloween episode. Ding dong. That was pretty incredible considering how considering how short it was that was awesome yeah i i I honestly that was a great movie i really enjoyed that movie (laughs) and you know to see some of the people that were in it or involved in it i was just like and you know what i think i did see the woods now that i think of it i don't remember much of it it's good i i I really liked the woods i i maybe i was kind of trying to trying to like it because I like Lucky yeah. McKee so much, but uh, truly, no, I, I, my memory of it is that I, I really did enjoy it. And I mean, the cast is incredible with Agnes Bruckner and Patricia Clarkson, Rachel Nichols, uh, Bruce Campbell, all in that yeah. movie. It's, it's quite good. Awesome. Anything else on Lucky McKee or May or anybody else? Please watch May. Uh, I think it's on, I think it's available streaming free right now. Yeah, it's on Tubi. All right, because we skipped a week, there's a lot from 93. I know you watched Sliver. Did you do anything else, Sean? I know we have Hot Shots Part 2, Sliver, Menace to Society, Cliffhanger, Happily Ever After. 
like Water for Chocolate, The Long Day Closes, Made in America, and Super Mario Brothers. Uh, we we did uh, Sliver, and we combined that with Dave in the last episode, so that's the most recent episode of the 93 uh, podcast. We had to cancel Super Mario Brothers for reasons, uh, but uh, we might uh, return to that for the next episode alongside uh, whatever our next movie is going to be. Um, I gotta Sliver. say, Sean, yeah. the Sliver episode is great, and I want everybody to listen to it now. Um, it <laughs> was just, it was really, really funny. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, uh, yeah, we were really... Really had a good normally time it sucks, about that but movie. Normally it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to give that backhand a compliment. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a, we had a good time recording that, and uh, you know, just just continuously continuing to traumatize poor MJ on the show with these with these movies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Sliver Sliver's not good. Dave is wonderful. If you've never seen Dave with Kevin Klein, that is that's a wonderful film. So far, we probably think we talked about that one being the best movie of 1993 so far. Uh, one it, one thing about Sliver though, huh. it has an amazing soundtrack. Hmm. If you if you listen to that soundtrack from beginning to end, it's like perfection. I think Amy might have mentioned that. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure what we're going to do next. I know we're going to probably, I know MJ does want to go back and do, uh, they do want to do uh, Mario Brothers because they're a big Mario Brothers fan. Uh, soon, we, I mean, we've got such a, a huge run of movies coming up. Uh, we've got Jurassic Park coming up soon, Last Action Hero, Sleepless in Seattle, and The Firm all over the next four weeks. So uh, this weekend, <laughs> it's either Life with Mikey or... Uh, which is a Michael J. Fox film, I believe, and Guilty as Sin, which I have no idea what that is. Well, it's Rebecca De Mornay and Don Johnson. Ah, uh huh, yeah. Uh, there's also the music of Chance and Nothing But a Man, which are clearly not movies you've heard of. Uh, <laughs> no, no cliffhanger. <laughs> uh no, no, I couldn't. I tried. I tried to get him to watch Cliffhanger, but uh, they uh, they really insisted on uh, no, I... on Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I've never seen Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> uh, Cliffhanger is one of those kind of guilty pleasure movies. Like it's 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 silly fun. It's in that oh, fast yeah. act you can, for sure. You can tell he's just jumping off of like <laughs> into little pits, <laughs> and making it look like it's a mountain. At one point, he's hanging from a helicopter, and the pilot's just laughing in the background. And <laughs> it's, it's such a fun, stupid movie. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, Hot Shots Part Two is awesome too. You yes. know that that is a that is a very very funny movie. And in you know, in terms of you don't see you know, spoof sequels, spoofs don't really get sequels aside from the Naked Gun movies. So it was really fun to see the Hot Shots get a second uh, second outing. And what they did with the the Rambo Three stuff was was very entertaining. <laughs> uh, Charlie Sheen really nailed that <laughs> perfectly. I actually like it better than Hot Shots. Really, I'm one I'm minority. I know that, but uh, what about Menace to Society? Is that any good? I've never seen it. Uh, Menace. It's been years since I saw Menace to the Menace to Society. Yeah, same here. All right. Well, next week we got Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, The Boogeyman, Padre Pio, and the classics The Boogeyman from 1980, along with the 93 movies we just talked about. I will not be here. Uh, so it'll probably be the best episode you've ever heard. 
<laughs> I can't believe you said that, Sean. You just reminded me that Jurassic Park is going to be thirty years old. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And it still holds up better than the the new ones. True. Very true. I remember being thirteen or whatever when it came out and just read the book and hating it just because I liked the book better because I wanted to be cool. Even though I didn't understand the book because I was too young to understand. <laughs> like great shit. Uh, yeah, the book is so much darker than right. the Spielberg movie. Obviously, I I would love to see like a a mini series or something where they did the dark book. Yeah, like a double feature of the Little Mermaid and the Jurassic Park, both of them dark. <laughs> uh all right, let's play. You know they're gonna do the. They're gonna do. They've done. They did the horror Cinderella. They're gonna do the Little Mermaid, and they're gonna do the Hans Christian Andersen story. Because they just came out with the, the the horror version of Cinderella. So, when did live they, action, of course. Which one was that? I it, I it's I just literally today saw it on Facebook. Oh, it hasn't come out Cinderella. yet. All right, cool. No, it's it just called Cinderella, and it it's because all this stuff is in the public domain. They can do whatever they want with it. So you know that's it's just her covered in blood. So oh well, people you know loved that Winnie the Pooh movie. So I'm sure this will be very successful. <laughs> well, that's what I is it in that vein or is it like. Are they taking I don't, it I, I, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that oh. it's, you know, it's just like a dark where she probably kills the stepsisters or something. Yeah. I hope she doesn't kill a stepmother because I played the stepmother in high school. <laughs> I was a drag queen in high school, motherfuckers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Yes. All right, so in flick chart, we have G.I. Jane or Congo. G.I. Jane. Yeah. If it was Congo the book, though, I love that. <laughs> Pink Floyd the Wall, Vacancy. Pink Floyd the Wall. Uh, Yeah. I don't remember, I don't remember vacancy. vacancy. I know I saw it. The Orphanage, Constantine. The orphanage. The orphanage. Three Little Pigs, nineteen thirty-three. How to Marry a Millionaire. I've never seen Three Little Pigs, nineteen thirty-three. Oh yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. Oh, have I? I don't remember. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was never. It it was in the movies, but they would show it all the time. And um, uh, I don't think it was feature length. (laughs) Well, Well, they probably cut it up. So yeah, let's do Invasion of the Body Snatchers (gasps) or How to Marry a Millionaire. How to Marry a Millionaire. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that is my favorite sci-fi movie of all time. The, the 1978 version? Oh, it's like perfection. It's got the best cast. It has, I mean, I love, you know, How to Marry a Millionaire, but if I, given the choice, I would watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you know, over and over. Yeah, recency bias wants me to go How to Marry a Millionaire, but I my favorite era is that I'm going to go invasion of the body snatchers. I think the next time they remake that, because they, of course they do it like every 15 years. Mm-hmm. The next time they remake that, that has to be our closet. Sure. Well, the next one's just going to be called invade. They <laughs> <I> keep, <laughs> keep making the title smaller. The cable guy, twilight eclipse, the cable guy. 
guess I don't like either one of them. Yeah, yeah I'll go cable guy. Exit through the gift shop, 48 hours. Exit through the gift shop. Yep. Always with them. Runaway bride, scream. Scream. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> she, <laughs> Runaway bride was like one of her favorite movies. <gasps> the last airbender, Suspiria, 1977. Suspiria, Suspiria. by a lot. Oh, that's such a good movie. I love that poster, too. The Lego movie, Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, I want to see the Lego version of Eyes Wide Shut. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Eyes Wide Shut's fine. I need to see Eyes Wide Shut again because I probably would have taken Lego movie there. Dinosaur, Lilies of the Field. Lilies of the Field. Yeah. Star Trek Into Darkness, Pitch Black. Star Trek Into Darkness. I like Pitch Black, but I watched Into Darkness this weekend and just loved it all over again. I'll go with Star Trek. Well, I do not like the Pitch Black movies. A View to Kill, The Descent. The Descent, (laughs) by a lot. (laughs) I knew you were going to pick The Descent. (laughs) I know how much you love A View to Kill. The Descent, obviously. I love The Descent. (gasps) Us, Mona Lisa Smile. Us. Us. That's the only non-Star Wars movie that I've seen twice in the same weekend. <laughs> Vacancy, Maverick, 1994. Maverick. What is Vacancy? Uh, it's the, you pick. Out uh, of the hotel, uh, Kate Beckinsale and Luke Wilson are trapped. Uh, I think rednecks are trying to kill them or something. Yeah, they're both terrible. <laughs> I'll go Maverick. I, I have a... Uh, I can't not like Mel Gibson and I feel bad about it, but <laughs> just <laughs> something in me that won't. Wait, okay, sugar tits, whatever you say. <laughs> he claimed he didn't say it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League, Alice in Wonderland. Justice League. Yeah, Alice Justice Wonderland League. is unwatchable. Avengers Infinity War, Dan in real life. Avengers. Infinity War. Death becomes their wild at heart. Ooh. Ooh. Wild at heart. Uh, death becomes her. I'm picking wild at heart uh, only because we've been trying to get this, make it a classic on and off. And we, it's just not available. And I want to see it again. Uh, but it has been a while. Gone girl, city of angels. God girl. Gone Girl. You know, Bob, you can watch movies that not for the podcast. I, I know that you have a busy life, but you can watch a movie that's not for the podcast. I know, but I don't. <laughs> I, I say I say this as somebody who is currently just watching Columbo and puts on a movie he's already seen five times to go to sleep to. Yeah, that's definitely. the only time I watch movies is to go to sleep, but usually it's the last you and I kind of you and I kind of have the advantage of no children and no family around us at all times. I mean, it <laughs> kind of makes it a little easier for us. I do. If my son wants to watch something, I'll, or I'll try to, he's in a huge star Wars kick right now. And it's fucking pissing me off. Yay. <laughs> I, I, I did take him to the machine. And as soon as Mark Hamill came on screen, he yells out Luke Skywalker. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> he's a pretty good drummer too. So you're doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Ryan showed me that video. Did you see this video? I was like, yes, I did. As a matter of fact. Yeah, I was. I sent it to Sean right away only because Chris Jericho, the wrestler, was the opening band. And I was just sending Sean pictures of the insurrection we were about to have. Uh, <laughs> his wife was at the January 6th insurrection, in case you didn't know that. Oh, Lord. Uh, she wasn't. She never went in the building. She was just there to support Trump. Uh-huh. But, uh, at least that's what I tell myself. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, then ugly kid Joe pulled my son up to play, and I was just like, please don't screw up. And he didn't. I killed it. Yeah. Uh, the nice guys, friends with benefits. The nice guys. Yeah. Long kiss, good night. Fantastic, Mr. Fox. Uh, I, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to pick the long kiss, good night because it's got Gina Davis in it. I did. I, I don't care about the fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, you know, the twee little stuff is kind of. Yeah. I'm very cynical right now. I'm sorry. No, good. I, I had a really, really that. cynical weekend. So, Cops and Robbers, 1951, in hell. I've actually seen neither of those movies. And yeah, me neither. American Assassin, After Earth. I've seen After Earth. I've not seen American Assassin that I'm recalling. Yeah, what are they trying to do, Wills? Make a stop. Oh. <laughs> uh, Role models after <laughs> easy Earth. peasy. Yeah, role models. Role models. I have watched that somewhat recently because I wanted to show it to my son. Multiplicity, twelve monkeys. Twelve monkeys. Twelve monkeys. Yeah. Mister Woodcock, Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. I get you guys pick. I don't care. Neither of those movies <laughs> are any good. I'll go basic well, instinct. Basic Instinct is sweatier. <laughs> the lead of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Pearl Harbor. I don't know. League is shorter, so that's, that's the that's the choice. <laughs> sure. All right, I don't care. Uh, high noon, super high me. I've never seen that. Uh, that's that's hard. Um, I really enjoy both of those movies. Um, I didn't see Super High Me, so I can't. I guess I kind of want super high me just because I really did enjoy that movie. It was really funny. Adventures of Tintin Ninja Turtles Two: the secret of the ooze. That's tough. Honestly, (laughs) I don't think I, I think they're both kind of mediocre in their own unique way. Um, (laughs) If it were the original Ninja, Ninja Turtles, then you know the, the the first one, I I'd be all over that one. Uh, Secret of the Use isn't quite as good, but Tintin is just kind of you know it's very old school in terms of storytelling uh, in G Wiz kind of uh, storytelling, and I didn't <clears throat> I didn't love it. I think it's technically accomplished, so I guess I guess Tintin because it is so technically accomplished, but. Uh, uh, it does, you know, they're both kind of mediocre in their own way. I'm going to pick the ooze just Me, because I am as well. Cause I was 10 when it came out and I was 30 when the other one came out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hunger games catching fire. Me, myself and Irene hunger games. Hunger games. 
Looper, Frankenstein, 1931. I'm going to say Looper, but I do love Frankenstein. Frankenstein, but Looper, I would watch. I, I watch Frankenstein a lot. I'm not going to lie. So, um, But Looper is also really, really good. I'll pick Frankenstein. Sean can have Looper, and you can pick the, you can break the tie. I think I'm going to go Frankenstein just because of the level of how iconic it is. Zero Dark Thirty, Ghost Town. Zero Dark Thirty. What's Ghost Town? No idea. Ricky Gervais. Oh, uh, Zero, Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen, I have actually seen that. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty. John Wick Chapter 2, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? John Wick Chapter 2. Yeah. Okay, Nightmare on Elm Street, Bruce Almighty. 2010. Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 Bruce no, Almighty. no, 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 I I've only heard about Triumph of the Will. I've never watched. I've it. never seen it, but yeah, I've it's a Nazi propaganda film. So, so vote for it over Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wait, wait. We gotta bring in. We gotta bring in the people that I alienated by being a homo. So, it's <laughs> the title of the podcast. I haven't seen Generation. <laughs> I have seen that. Uh, I've not seen either one of them. So yeah, fucking both. <laughs> Equally, <laughs> I'm just, not really. Uh, Spider Man No Way Home, The Lady Eve. Much respect to No Way Home, but The, the Lady Eve. I've never seen that, but okay, it's up to you, Bob. I've never seen it. You've seen it, Sean Wins. Oh. <laughs> Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part Two, you, me, and Dupree. Harry Potter, Harry Potter, fine. Don John, The Parent Trap, 1960. Don John. Oh, I'm picking The Parent Trap. I love that movie. I have such good memories. Yeah, I like Don John a lot, though, so I'm going to go Don John. Lolly Love? Nope, never heard of it. And uh, that, is that our, is that a a Disney Snow White, or is that the... Not sure what that is, actually. Uh, 1955, I think that's too late for the Disney one. Yeah. Ooh. Drag Me to Hell, Stitch the Movie. Drag Me to Hell. Fishing with Gandhi. I'll go Drag Me to Hell. You don't like Drag Me to Hell? I don't. All right, last one. Old Boy Mary Poppins. (laughs) (laughs) The mashup we've all been waiting for. Yes. Old Mary Poppins. Combine those two stories. (laughs) Old Mary Poppins. (laughs) (laughs) Old Boy. Like to see Dick Van Dyke with the hammer. Oh my god, <laughs> old boy with that cast! <laughs> I want to see that so bad. And and musical numbers. Yep. Oh man! So we're voting for both of them equally. <laughs> All right. Are you guys good? Yep. All right. I'll. See you next week, or see you in two weeks. Have fun next week. Yep, we'll do. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.